Um, hello. Our opener. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. Okay. Uh, no, hit the actual the opening. Um, uh, speaking of that, hey Jade, who's your favorite ice type gen leader? Um, I mean, I don't remember her name. The new one from Scarlet and Violet with the cute scarf thing. Can't just stick finger. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I I did the joke. Mm. <laughs> okay, double ice <laughs> is shattered. We are able to start. Yeah, the ice is shattered into a billion pieces. As is our podcasting career. Mm. I don't know if it's worth uh, trying to resurrect the pre-recording bit about you watching Bambi again. <laughs> Yeah, maybe not. Um, yeah, no. But you so, watch Bambi again. It's yeah. Did it? How did it hold up three weeks later? It, it's. Uh, I mean, it's just not that good. Yeah. <laughs> like the, it's got very pretty visuals, yeah. and nothing else. Uh, so you know, I I could watch it on mute in the background, and that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I would assume probably sometime in like the 70s Disney movies is where it starts getting closer to like the. I mean, like, like I know Renaissance is the period everyone talks about is when Disney got good, but, you know, there's some in like the 70s and 80s that are like shades of that, I think. But. Yeah, I, I a lot think of the some 40s of... and 50s stuff, it, it just was a marvel at the time but feels kind of slow now it's you know very very nicely animated and some pleasant music to it but it, it's yeah not really i i like by modern standards i like that they're doing different things with animation um i just don't like the end result mm. <laughs> most of the time fantasia was cool most of it mm. yeah um But yeah, I, I guess I should just talk about the other Disney things. Mm. Like we we had a joke with Bambi <laughs> before yeah. recording. Uh, but yeah, I, it, no, it, I, I said I described Bambi as a lullaby of a movie, but with some harsh realities because you know the mom dies and the forest burns down. Yeah, and then I started singing uh, a lullaby with just. Yeah. Harsh realities in the middle, like "Rockabye Baby," you're gonna die. Yeah. Uh, Watch the world burn. <laughs> you're gonna have to do taxes. Yeah. Uh, in the sequel, actually, yeah, well, the... they did do a Bambi too, but it was a prequel, yeah. wasn't there? Like an interquel. It's like in between the time. Well, still, well, yeah, the, it... the time when Bambi's a kid. Because yeah, Bambi cause grew it, it up starts... by the end of Bambi. It starts with Bambi being born, so yeah. it'd be hard to do a prequel. Yeah. <laughs> Here's Bambi's yeah. conception. <laughs> yeah, a prequel about Bambi's deadbeat dad and what he was like in his younger days. Yeah. How his mom got shot by hunters and it led him down a dark path where he abandoned yeah, I mean, his family and uh, wandered the forest alone as this uh, king of the forest. I mean, it does do the whole circle of life thing, so a prequel of Bambi's dad would probably just be Bambi again. Yeah. Mm, maybe they, Bambi's they a time loop, and Bambi's his own father, and the father he sees at the end is like a ghost image of himself from the previous time loop. 
they they sh- they should make a movie though called Bambi's Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it'd be about, but no. Well, they um, they gotta title it like Pennyworth and come up with like the character's name, uh, like Derek, the father of Bambi. <laughs> Derek. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but that made me think of Derek from House Party. <laughs> and I'm just laughing at French fry Okay, nipples. so House Party is the prequel to Bambi, and that's how Bambi was born. <laughs> somebody fucked a deer. <laughs> Derek fucked the deer. Derek from House Party fucked the deer. (laughs) And that's how Bambi was born. However, many months later, a deer. It's like that that episode of Johnny Bravo where he has a date with, like, an actual talking deer. (laughs) Am I the only one who remembers that? Because that was crazy. And as the deer is walking out of the party, she says, Man, I can't believe I blew 50 bucks. And then Derek says, I'm 50 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck 50 cent, I'm 50 bucks. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yep. Okay, so Donald Duck goes Mexican. <laughs> yeah. Um, Saludos Amigos sucks. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's it, a reason it, nobody talks about it. Because it's just one of those movies that you know, sometimes you watch, like, a special about the history of Disney animation and they'll show clips from it, but that's all the acknowledgement it ever gets. Yeah. Um, I mean, Saludos Saludos Amigos is just, like, the Disney animators wanted a (laughs) a vacation. So, they're like, Mm. let's vacation in South America and then make a 40-minute movie about it so we can write it off on taxes. The Adam Sandler method. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's like thirty minutes of live action. Like, here's here's how uh, the modern Chileans live. You know, eighty years ago. Mm. Um, and then it's just very like stereotypical, like tribal life. Um, mm. And then there's an animation of. Donald Duck being a dickhead tourist. So, mm. there you go. Um, it's not it's not good. Like, the animated parts are mildly entertaining, but that's about it. Oh. Um, I probably shouldn't have even watched it, <laughs> considering yeah. it's most live action. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not really, like, one of their feature-length animated movies. No. Oh, but Three Caballeros is, and it's also not that good. Mm. Like, the, the the good parts of Three Caballeros is when um, it's being a musical, and mm. the, you know, the funny bird, cartoon birds are singing. Mm. Um, and there's a very <laughs> st- stereotypical Mexican bird who's mm. just, like, firing guns in the air. No. Yeah. Saying Andale Arriba and all that. <laughs> I mean, almost. Yeah. But I mean, apparently, uh, a lot of Mexico really likes Speedy Gonzalez, so you know. Hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, take your cultural representation where you can get it. Yeah. I mean, if... I, I was trying to think of a really bad example, but I probably mm. shouldn't. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, they're not good, but I'm past... <coughs> I'm past that. Now there's like a couple of, uh, I think like cartoon collections. And then oh. it's like Ichabod and Mr. Toad and Cinderella and all that. Mm. Um, I haven't been able to watch nearly as much as I've wanted to <laughs> because I've been working 50, mm. 60 hours a week. But, you know. Yeah. I'm I'm just gonna say like the the whole do it in one year thing is completely completely gone now. Yeah. Um, yeah, not without cutting some corners at least. Yeah, but I, I do still want to watch Pixar when I get there, so I'm not. I, I I'll just do it next year too, probably. Hmm. <sighs> but whatever. Um. Yeah, that's, and I've been blowing that's my Disney shit. a lot faster than uh, you'll probably ever get to it, so that'll just be my <laughs> rant about Clone Wars. I, I watched through seasons four and five in the last two weeks, so. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I did read what you have to say, and it's... Yeah, see, so, weirdly, you like, know... I, I, I I always knew Clone Wars was very up and down, mm. but like I always yeah. knew there was stupid stuff in it. But I always liked it, you know. Yeah, but, and I guess if you only watch the better episodes <clears throat> and forget about the bad ones, then it probably holds up better. Yeah, I mean, I, there's there's just it's George Lucas Star Wars. There's gonna be some dumb shit in there. Yeah, yeah, because like you know, I bought the Blu-ray years and years ago. But before that, you know, closer to when the show actually was around, the only seasons I bothered to buy were season two and season five, and that's mostly because they had the Mandalorians in them. Um, so I liked them for that. But now on the rewatch, like season two was not as good as I remembered. So maybe that's just an expectation. Like, season one was better than I remembered. Season two was worse than I remembered. Season three is so forgettable that even though I watched it a month ago, the only thing I really remember is Mortis. I don't remember anything else from that season. Um, season four is darker than I remembered. Like, I, you know, I remembered some of the storylines from it, but I forgot just how, like, how many people they murder in that season. It's, it's pretty bleak. <laughs> Um, and season five is the first half of it is shit. It's like it's so bad. I was like miserable watching it. The once you get to the mall episodes, which in the Blu-ray they actually like when when they release the season. Um, the, there's five. It's twenty episodes, uh, broken into five four-episode arcs. Um, and the Darth Maul one in release order was broken up so they show you the first Darth Maul episode at the start of the season which is a follow-up to Darth Maul's appearance at the end of season four um, th which then <clears throat> ends with Maul and Savage like trapped in a ship and on life support um, which is I, where they're I found love... in the next episode which in air date aired after a whole lot of bullshit 
but in the Blu-ray, they move that entire arc over, which means you have to just sit through all that bullshit before the Darth Maul stuff starts up again. Um, a whole lot of bullshit sounds like an Adult Swim show, so I was like, mm. <laughs> I was like, did was Clone Wars on Adult Swim for a second? No, actually, season five <laughs> is the season where it moved from prime time Friday nights to Saturday mornings. Yeah. Hey kids, um, <laughs> here, question your authority. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because season five, it's it's five arcs. The first one is a four-parter on Onderon, establishing like the origins of the Rebel Alliance as a bunch of uh, like rebel factions being militarized by the Republic to rise up against the Separatists. Um, it also introduces Saw Gerrera, a character who is so forgettable that I forgot he was a character when they reintroduced him in Rogue One, and have continued to put like he just showed up in Bad Batch. He he keeps getting appearances, and he's so nothing of a character. He's just angry rebel man. But I've I've never even heard of him being in Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah, he he was in this arc of this season of Clone Wars. Was he Forrest Whitaker yet? No. No, it's him when he, you know, he was 20 years younger in this, this show. And he is so the he's brother small of... small group of trees Whitaker. Yeah, he, he's, he's the brother of the uh, woman who is like the rebel leader who tragically dies at the end. Oh no, she's dead. Oh no. Um... Also, there was, there's like a love triangle between her and Ahsoka and uh, that Mandalorian kid who Ahsoka's got a crush on or something. It, it was dumb. Um, and also, it gets weirdly dark because the, there's like, uh, I think there was like a, gu- a gu- like laser guillotine execution scene thing that they do um, in this kid show. But, um, yeah... Uh, that so sounds badass. There's a four-part episode about that. And then there is a four-part episode where chapter one is um, a bunch of younglings get locked in an ice cave and have to go and find their lightsaber crystals so they can make their lightsabers. Apparently, I remember that episode. <laughs> apparently, this was intended to lead to a spin-off that they could do all about these kid characters. Which is why they are a diverse group of races and personalities and genders and everything. <laughs> but also slot neatly into a lot of stereotypes. We got the nerdy one, we got the the brash one, we got the responsible one, we got the Wookiee one who doesn't talk, uh, except in Wookiee speech. Um, and, but, and would they all be conveniently off-planet when Order 66 goes down? I, I, so they can I, I don't know survive? What, yeah, what time period they were hoping to set the show in. Because, I mean, this is already late Clone Wars. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's only going to end badly. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess that, f- that fell through, but they do get a cameo in the final arc where Ahsoka's framed for murder and while she's escaping through the temple, you see those kids training. Um, but, yeah, so part one, they get locked in the ice caves of Ilum, as seen in Gandhi Tartakovsky's Clone Wars, except um, it, it's dumber this time. And um, 
Yeah. Yeah, they get locked in the cave, and then they gotta find <clears throat> the crystals, and they gotta get out before the ice seals up the door, and they can't get out forever, except it's just ice, and they can just break through it, and then it turns out, yeah, Yoda <laughs> knew that, and he's like, haha, I just told you you had a time limit, because it would make you go faster, I guess. Um, <laughs> and also teaches you not to trust your elders, because they're gonna lie to you, like I do. Um, all of that, yeah. except in Yoda speak. Um, and also, he if only Yoda, if you only, if only Yoda actually taught Jedi that like mm-hmm. Jedi masters aren't the perfect um, authority figures, then maybe shit wouldn't have gone down so bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, chapter two, they are assembling their lightsabers on a ship out in space instead of back at the Jedi Temple. Uh, I Makes guess sense. just because. Yeah. There's it's like fucking this cold. Old, yeah, well, I mean, one, maybe they're worried that the kids are going to make lightsabers explode, and they don't want that to happen in their temple. They'll make them explode out in space. Um, also, there is an old droid who is so old that he's, like, plugged into the power outlet all the time, um, who is, like, a, uh, he's a robot, but he knows a lot about assembling lightsabers, so he's there to oversee the whole thing. And also Ahsoka's there, because why not? Um, See, I told, I told you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the whole Filoni thing. It's it's just oh look look at this cool Star Wars thing. Oh, and Ahsoka's there. Yeah, yeah. Like, I so get this is Clone Wars. They're but doing that still. thing on the ship, and then Hondo Onaka, the pirate character who keeps going back and forth on whether or not he is going to help or hinder the heroes because he's chaotic stupid and that is <laughs> what he does it, it's like it's just sometimes he's a good guy and sometimes he's a bad guy and people will be mad at him but they can't stay mad at him because he's hondo and the writers love him um but yeah he decides hey there's this ship it's full of lightsaber parts and they're worth a lot of money so i'm gonna board it and steal all of it um so he boards the ship and the kids all have to hide and Ahsoka fights off the pirates, but then they capture her on the way out. So then, part three, the kids have to stage a rescue mission, which involves doing the Bugs Life plan of pretending... Well, no, they join up with a circus and do a circus act for the pirates. Um, well, Ahsoka is, like, locked up and had been, like, tortured for information and stuff. But, you know, you can't stay mad at Hondo. He's, he's a fun character. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so they do their, their circus act thing with threat of death on the line. Like, Hondo pulls out a skull of a person who he previously killed for not entertaining him enough. Uh, nice. But you can't stay mad at him. He's Hondo. He's, <clears throat> he's a fun character. Um, and so then... <laughs> That's scamp. Yeah, that rascally scamp who beheaded a person for not being funny enough. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's possible he was. It's possible it's just a skull that he found and he was bluffing. But it seemed like it was a person who previously belonged to the circus that, for some reason, has decided to perform for this guy again. Um, I don't know. I mean, he definitely kills people. So yeah. you know, he's a he's a pirate. He's he's like a Pirates of the Caribbean pirate where. Like, they do horrible, fucked up shit all the time, but then it's like, oh, but they're quirky. Yeah. So it's okay. Yeah, and I'm mostly thinking about how in... I mean, I don't know if I'm going to rewatch Rebels, but he comes back in Rebels, and Rebels was even more of a kid show. So he's even more of, like, a friendly good guy in that. And yes, it's at least 10, 15 years after 
yeah. Clone Wars, but still, yeah. this character just keeps flip-flopping so hard on whether or not he's going to be a good person or not. I, I can I can get him being just like a, a good guy in Rebels, because at that point it's the Empire, and they're like, mm. yeah, we're just going to murder all the pirates all the time, yeah. <laughs> like as soon as they show up. But, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Man. so the, the kids do this distraction thing, they get Ahsoka broken out, chaos ensues, but then also the Separatists are on the way because, I don't even remember, for some reason Grievous and the Separatists are also coming to attack. So now I've, the pirates and the Jedi who they were torturing have to team up and fight back against the Separatists in the big action finale, whatever. Um... So that was the story arc. And then we go into the story arc where, um, I didn't write his name down. It's this little frog dude who is put on assignment with R2-D2 and a bunch of other astromechs and a pit droid named Whack. And, uh, they have to go on a mission to go steal some information from a separatist database or something. Um, and little frogman is very racist against droids. And Whack is here to tell him that that's not cool. You should give him a chance. You should be more respectful to people, even if they are droids. And they find out that uh, this little frog guy is actually just a map reader who this is his first big assignment and he's really trying to prove himself. And he learns to respect the droids and the droids learn to respect him. And one of the droids gets sucked out in airlock. Oh no, it's so sad. And um, also they find a clone trooper who crash-landed on a planet and has amnesia, um, and so a local chef decided to bully him and gaslight him into being his dishwasher. Um, but then the guy finds out he's a clone, because the froggy guy tells him he looks like a clone, and uh, he gets his armor back and rejoins the Force, and continues to be a character even into Rebels, uh, Gregor the Clone. Um, oh yeah. boy. Yeah. Everybody's favorite, Gregor. Yep. Yeah, he is Just one like... of the three clones that shows up in Rebel. It's him, Rex, and I, I don't remember who the third one is. I, I I never really cared that much about the clones, but Rex, Gregor, and another one are aboard an old ATTE that they've like painted over and have like walking around this desert planet and they're like fishing from it and stuff. When uh, the rebel group finds them, you know, Jade, that reminds me of everybody's favorite Fire Emblem Awakening character, Gregor. Mm. Yeah, one of the ten thousand characters in that game. <laughs> yeah, I assume it has a hair color that is not brown or blonde or black. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a redhead. I don't remember. I guess red is normal enough. Orange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then, the, then there's the four-part Darth Maul arc. Um. Let's see. Yeah. That is, okay, that, the, is that like Coconut Maul? It. Is there a nice jaunty little jazzy tune that goes with not, it? Not. Not really. It's it's the one where he takes over a criminal empire and uh, uses them to overthrow Mandalore. Uh, and kills the team oh. to make Obi-Wan sad, but he still won't kill Obi-Wan because how could he get his revenge if he just 
fucking killed him. Yeah. How could he die in one hit later? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, he keeps talking about how Spoilers. badly he wants his revenge on Obi-Wan, but then every time he has Obi-Wan, he just lets him go. Like, the <laughs> Darth Maul should have stayed dead. Mm. Yeah, no, they just, it, it does feel like by, by the time they reintroduce Maul, they have completely run out of ideas for what to do of a republic versus separatist show about a war so they're just yeah. cramming all these other characters and factions in and doing stuff about the cosmology of star wars uh, we don't need more information about how star wars physics works yeah. like we already know it's bullshit there's a there's a magic there's a magic um god force yeah like just just go with it yeah and i'll get into that more when season six does the second weirdest episodes after mortis um but yeah, yeah season five we got the darth maul arc i mean even though it is a little dumb it's it's still darth maul so it's still pretty cool um and then the final arc where ahsoka is framed from well the so the jedi temple gets attacked by uh someone from the inside everyone all the jedi suspect it could be a rogue jedi because all jedi care about is jedi stuff um and that's kind of the issue because the person who blew up the temple is actually like a janitor you know like non-force enabled just staff person who works there who's like you guys don't care about anyone else all you care about is yourselves um and turns out she was manipulated into doing that by a rogue Jedi because I <gasps> guess the Jedi should only care about Jedi stuff because they just happen to be responsible for everything. Um, <laughs> you know, thanks writers. But you, you almost touched on an interesting idea there and then you yeah. bounced right off. But that's a, like the whole thing with Ahsoka, like, you know, she gets framed for... Uh, murdering the person who blew up the building and then she has to go on the run and like Tarkin heads up the whole capturing Ahsoka investigation thing because even though she saved his life in a season 4 arc he still just fundamentally distrusts Jedi so he you know just wants to bring her in as a prisoner and hold a trial and just accuse her of everything um, and so, yeah, so she's on the run. She feels like nobody trusts her. The only person who kind of... Like, Anakin trusts her, but at the same time, he's still loyal to the Jedi and still trying to work within their rules. So, being sent to capture Ahsoka kind of shakes his faith in the system. It completely shakes Ahsoka's faith in the system. By the end of the arc, once she's acquitted, they... You know, like, Mace tells her, like, oh, this was just a trial to test you, and you passed. Good job. Welcome back. And she's like, nope, fuck you guys. I'm out. And yeah, that, out. that's the right answer. And, so it, and it is such a good ending to that arc, like, to that character, to the whole series, really. Because the whole series starts off introducing Ahsoka. And having her walk out feels like such a good ending that I kind of wish the show had just stayed ended there. I mean, the end of season seven is—it's not bad. You know, it's pretty good. It's like you know, gives a little more resolution to Ahsoka and Rex and Maul. Um, 
granted by that point we know where all those characters return in Rebels because you know the whole Rebels show came out after season six of Clone Wars and before season seven but that that's such a weird yeah <laughs> that's so such a weird thing 40 percent of season five is all right to good to really good at times uh the other 60 percent is awful um and see yeah season four is just really dark all over there's like a whole arc about uh, the what was it? obi-wan gets captured and i think sold into slavery and so Anakin has to rescue him from this slaver woman, but also because of his history of being a slave previously, he just wants to kill them all, but he has to play along, so he's, like, flirting with her and stuff. And the, there's, like, scenes where, like, a bunch of slaves just get dropped into a pit to their death just to, like, prove a point. And it's just... Like weirdly, really dark and bleak for <laughs> what this show does. Oh boy! But also, kind of makes me. Like, I think part of the reason I just never really liked the show this much or that much is just like the an- I I find it harder to take the animation seriously than I do 2D, and that might just be because I grew up on 2D stuff and 3D is a new format that came in. You know after i was born like i don't know it like i it, i've enjoyed some like like high quality 3d movie stuff but low budget 3d i find harder to take seriously than well i mean i guess i don't take low budget 2d seriously either but it's like this the low budget 3d it's like the equivalent of watching like an old he-man cartoon and then they do something really dark and it's like am i supposed to take this seriously it looks like shit <laughs> Yeah, I, the the thing with Clone Wars is that it's it's just good enough to take seriously, mm. um, but like it it doesn't have the charm of like the the nineties three D shows like reboot or or uh, Beast Wars, mm. um, and it's not genuinely good <laughs> like a lot of stuff that's come out in the past ten years. Mm. Um, so it's just kind of in in that middle area where, where it's. Like, uh, okay, figure yourself out. Um, yeah. At least that's how I feel about it. Yeah, like, like, I'm thinking it, I might just have been the wrong age when it came out. Yeah, I mean, it. especially the the early seasons where everything looks like, like wooden figures. Um, mm. It's like, but, uh, is like that the style they're was, going for? I mean, season one was better than I remembered, but also season one I was trying hard to to give the show a chance but also season one it wasn't trying to be like oh we're so dramatic look at all the people we can kill except i guess clones they killed a lot of clones but yeah they don't matter yeah they the there's like eight of them that have names and that's the ones that matter yeah the clones didn't get like a personality backstory episode until season three you don't need that yeah. <laughs> you, like you could just have them have a personality. Yeah. But like that that's why like one of my favorite season 1 episodes is just the the one where there's like five clones on like a moon outpost. Yeah. And the yeah, outpost gets attacked. Yeah, they're getting murdered by the battle droid 
stupid commando things. Yeah, because it, it's it's just like a a mini like war movie from that. It feels like a war movie they made in like the fifties after World War Two. Mm. Um, and then it's over, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then the clones that are left come back, and it's like, okay, yeah, but you're not as good. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, Season four also had the four part arc where Obi Wan dies, but then he did. Gasp! He just they faked a bounty hunter assassinating him. So that he could then take on that bounty hunter's identity, so he could then play the most dangerous American Ninja Warrior game uh, to prove to Dooku that that bounty hunter team is able to do whatever job it was he needed. I don't know. It was weird. It's like, like Dooku wants to hire Cad Bane and not Obi-Wan and a bunch of other bounty hunters to do some kind of job. But to prove that they're capable of doing the job, they have to enter the box, which is a giant, like, obs- <laughs> like mechanically simulated obstacle I course, except if you, I don't know, breathe the poison gas, you die. If you step on the electrical tiles, you die. Um, at one point, there is, I think it was, there, there was like a poison gas or something that was filling up the room that would kill everyone except for one person because of the species they are and the game i guess was for them to figure out who it was who had a natural resistance to this poison so that they could be the one who reached through the electrical wall and hit the switch that stopped the thing um, See, before du- everyone Duke died didn't want to kill Duke didn't want to kill them he just wanted to teach them teamwork I guess, yeah, but it, yeah, it's it's just it's <laughs> such a you know like you hire all these guys for a job, but then you decide it's to put them through them. through your like game show obstacle course to see if they live, to see if they can then do the job after. Uh, like, why did any of these guys agree to this in the first place? How much are you paying them to play your stupid game and then do your? assassination job after because uh, yeah I think they were being hired to assassinate someone or something and that's why Obi-Wan had to infiltrate cause he, so he could find out what they were doing and then stop it from happening but why also Obi-Wan, to sell not... Obi-Wan well, I, yeah cause it's like I guess the logic like, is why not order... some random Jedi that Count Dooku doesn't know personally yeah yeah, I don't know. Like, from a writing standpoint, the idea, I guess, was that um, they wanted to have more reasons for Anakin's faith in the Jedi to be shaken. And in this case, in order to sell the deception, they didn't tell Obi-Wan, or they didn't tell Anakin that Obi-Wan had taken the place of this bounty hunter. So, pretty early, like, after, you know, they. Like Anakin does his own independent investigation, figures out which bounty hunter quote unquote killed Obi Wan, and goes to like attack that guy, who is actually Obi Wan in disguise. And it's pretty lucky that he didn't pull the force choke on him like he does to a bunch of other people, because that would be really awkward <laughs> if Obi Wan's getting force choked out by Anakin. And uh, oh, that would be so hot! Like that would actually be, have been like an interesting because we, um, you know. Obi-Wan already knows that Anakin is in a relationship with Padme, and he keeps secret about that. Um, 
But if Obi-Wan knew that Anakin had, like, brushed the dark side and was using these, like, choking techniques on people he thinks are just, like, expendable, you know, non-Jedi, whatever, then, like, yeah, that would be an interesting thing. But no, he just kind of roughs him up, and he's like, I should kill you, I want to kill you, but that's not Obi what Obi-Wan would want, so I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> so he leaves him alive. But then he kills someone else later for lesser reasons, so... I don't know. The Jedi are dumb. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it. That that's that's like one of those games where you kill like a thousand people, but at the end you don't kill the big bad guy because because you're a um, good moral person and you will <laughs> right, let this right. villain live. <laughs> right. You have a name. I can't kill you. Yeah. <laughs> I killed five hundred of your henchmen, but you know I'm going to show mercy to you because I'm a good person. Yeah. Well, you matter. <laughs> yeah. You complete me. <laughs> you had me at hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the kiss. It's Tom. I'm, I'm imagining it's Tom Cruise and, uh. uh fuck. <laughs> yeah, McGregor. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, yeah. so yeah, so that was Clone Wars. Um, I'm gonna Bone start Wars. season six this week probably, and then I guess season seven after. Um, in the meantime, let's see, just to get all the other Star Wars shit out of the way, Bad Batch season two wrapped up. It um, had a very Empire Strikes Back ending to the season. Like one of the main characters falls to his death. And all the other characters are captured, and it ends there. So. Yeah, not renewed. Yeah. Yeah, that would be funny if they weren't renewed and they just ended on that. But, yeah. <laughs> that would. I've, I haven't seen the show, so I don't. I don't. I, I know the basic premise, and that's about it, but that would be really funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, well, yeah, like, the first half of the season, they're kind of just skipping around doing. Um, like side mission things which have some interesting concepts but it's just, it feels so episodic and like filler I don't know why they bothered uh, second half of the season it actually picks up a bit more and um, they're really building up this idea that uh, so in season one the Empire destroys the cloning labs on Kamino uh, because the war's over and they don't want anyone else having access to the cloning tech but they relocate a few of the scientists and a lot of the equipment to Mount Tantus, where stuff is happening toward the end of the season. And I think it might be the same lab that Gideon brought Grogu to in uh, Mandalorian Season 2. That it's just that the Empire has this secret cloning facility where they make all kinds of super weapons. You know, like the, the Death Troopers from Rogue One, I think, were made there. The Dark Troopers from Mandalorian were made there. Um, the Emperor's clone is probably what they're setting up with all this cloning stuff that's showing up in Mandalorian and Bad Batch. Somehow he returned. Yeah, and that's one of... In Mandalorian Season 3, right now, they've kind of got two storylines going on. There's one of... Um, the, the rest of the Death Watch cult group they don't really have a 
you know, they, they've gone from being in that Halo space station that they were in in uh, Book of Boba Fett to being on this, like, desert cave planet where they're just getting attacked by giant monsters all the time. Um, and so, as of the latest episode, they are moving back to Navarro because they fought off some pirates, and so Navarro needs some kind of law enforcement and uh, and protection and this you know Mandalorian group will be providing that so they've got that whole kind of thing going on along with Bo-Katan is being set up to retake Mandalore uh, which at this point is kind of a post-apocalyptic wasteland um, and yeah then, fallout season but then they have like uh, like one episode is just following Dr. Pershing, who is like a minor character from season one, who has gotten amnesty in the New Republic and is trying... Basically, the, the show takes a detour into an episode of Andor, where they're dealing with like the day-to-day politics of the New Republic and this like ex-imperial who's trying to integrate into society but finding that people don't really give him a chance or trust him because he's a former imperial even though he means well and so he ends up falling in with a bad crowd of other ex-imperials who are just kind of bitter and there's this one who's like manipulating him and then like murders him at the end um and so this like an ongoing thing of like the new republic is trying to get established but there's still remnants of the empire in there undermining the whole thing and I don't know. I mean, it, I know it's there to set up the status quo of the sequels, where the New Republic is useless and the First Order is on the rise, and Leia defects and forms another rebel alliance because, you know, we have to get back to our status quo of rebels versus Empire again, even though both of those should have been disbanded long before now. Um, Thank you, JJ. Yeah. So, I don't know, it just, like, I don't really enjoy that side of this season of Mandalorian, that it's just, like, yeah, we we created these sequels, and now that we have a show set, like, a bunch of shows set in the time before, we have to try to lay the tracks that will build up to that stupidity. So, it's just kind of they, poisoning they should... the whole universe now. They should just drop the sequels from canon, but they're not going to do that because it's Disney. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Mandalorian Season 3, it's kind of fun, but probably the weakest season so far. It's, it's yeah, just kind of meandering. Which, which, which season has the, like, big evil frog Jedi that hates clones? Uh, in Mandalorian, or no, uh, Clone Wars. <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm, I'm my, my oh, head was stuck there. Oh, right, there. right. Yeah, the the Dexter Jester. That was another season four arc. Okay, a four part arc of hey, here's a Jedi. He's gonna lead your group of clones. He's kind of a douchebag, but it seems like he's you know just kind of an asshole. But you can earn his respect. But it turns out actually he's pitting all the clones against each other because actually he's just straight up evil and wants to join the Separatists and is proving himself by making clones kill other clones. 
Yeah, sorry, I kind of pulled that out of nowhere. I just, like, that. the thought just popped on, into my head, like, I remember this. <laughs> Why don't yeah. I remember this? I just, I heard frog, and I thought of the frog and the droids from season five, but, That's yeah. my favorite Disney movie. Yeah. <laughs> the frog and the droids. Yeah. Yeah, where they're turned into, the frog guy was turned into a frog by a voodoo man, and he has to work with a bunch of droids to find True Love's kiss with a pit droid uh, to be turned back into a, a frog because he was one all along. I'd really love to watch Princess and the Frog right now instead of fucking Saludos Amigos. Mm. Yeah, wild tangent because we haven't started talking about John Wick 4 yet, but while watching that, yeah. I wanted to watch Kung Fu Hustle. <laughs> like, once all the people yeah. start running with hatchets, like, oh, I wish I was watching Kung Fu Hustle right now. I fucking love Kung Fu. Let, let's watch Kung Fu Hustle for the next episode. Mm, yeah. I love that. I That's one of my favorite movies. I don't know to say about it, but it's worth watching. Anyway. It doesn't matter. We're going to watch it, yeah. and we're going to talk about it, and uh, we're going to watch the the bell thing. Oh, that was awesome. Remember that? Um, and uh, mm. <laughs> Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. But yeah, because that, that's everything I have to say about Star Wars. Um, Star Trek Picard season three is pretty cool so far. I, I Star Trek is don't better. Know how much to say about it? But it's it's pretty pretty cool. I haven't seen season one or two, but season three is good. Um. Yeah. Um, I'm just genre. waiting for. I'm waiting for Star Wars Visions two to come out. Uh, I did the sound cut out now. I guess so. Um, can you hear me now? Okay, now I can hear you. Okay, yeah. I said I'm waiting for Star Wars Visions 2 to come out. Oh, okay. Um, which is not anime this time, but uh, I still want to see it. <laughs> mm. I mean, is any of it... I know the, there's different studios. I don't know how much of them are anime or not. Um, if I remember right, they're they're basically all like Western animation, okay, and all like different forms. Like there's stop motion and two yeah, D yeah. and three D animation. I, I remember Ardman was in there, but I I didn't know who else. Yeah, I'd have to look at the list again to say definitively whether it, none of it's anime. But I'm, if I remember right, none of it is. Hmm. Yeah, I thought they had at least one that was coming back from season one. Groups. Maybe they did. I might be misremembering. Um, yeah, I don't remember what, when that's coming out. Cause, yeah, cause I just saw John Wick last week. Uh, I'm seeing the D and D movie later today, and the Mario movie next week. Tell me if the Mario movie is good, cause I might go see it. Okay. But, or I guess if the D and D movie is really good, I probably still won't see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can probably wait. I, having not seen it yet, it's probably fine to wait until it comes out on home release. But it sounds like it'll yeah. be good enough to watch at least on home release. I saw that it was over two hours, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, it's two fifteen. It's not as not three hours like John Wick. Yeah. Um. By the way, uh, I just want to let everybody know I saw John Wick with. John Wick 4 with my sister, who has never seen a John Wick movie before. Mm. 
Was she completely lost uh, in the plot? Kind of, but she said she liked it anyway. Mm. Um, she said, I kind of want to watch the first three now. Uh, so I said, yes, let's do that. And then one day we will. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. the thing, if, you know, all of them are good. Um, I think one... They're all, they're all top tier action movies. Yeah. Every single one. I think the first one has the best story. And the yeah. third one has the best action and the worst story. Um, yeah. And I would have to watch two and four again to decide which one I like better. Because I think I four... I just watched all four of them. Yeah, like I think four has better action scenes than two. But two I like better overall just as like a movie and like the flow. Because four is long. Like in between... It has like yeah. three really good big action set pieces... And then just a lot of really long scenes of like yeah, it, it's sunsets, like I don't I don't actually care sunrises. about the politics of the high table. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know it's it's I don't know like there there's like three villains in it. Two of them are well, three um, antagonists I should say. Mm. Um, yeah, and. And two of them are just kind of neutral. Mm. Um, but they needed they needed the one guy to be the actual bad guy. Yeah. And I kind of wish he was just not in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it it'd be more interesting if it was just Kane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because there's just the there's the French guy who's just he's the the big bad like emotionless bad guy who's like the final villain manipulator or whatever um there's he's he's every he's every british guy in an american action movie except he's french yeah (laughs) yeah yeah there's him there's the german guy who's just there for like the berlin nightclub scene but he's such a bastard that he's a fun villain yeah. See, like he's fun, but he also just kind of shows up and then dies, and then yeah, <laughs> like nobody really cares. And that, like, the, there's just a lot of care. Like, I guess all the John Wick movies have like new characters shows up, and they're only here for this movie. Um, but it feels like the the ones in this movie feel like there's supposed to be more weight to them. But I'm just sitting here like, okay, Mister Nobody. So yes, yeah, so you're like a John Wick because you have a dog that you fight with, but. And I kind of get what your deal is, but it feels like are they setting it up for a spinoff or something? Because they're giving you a lot of screen that's time what, for a guy who's just like a guy. That's what it seemed. It seemed like they were baiting spinoff for all the new characters. Yeah, yeah. Like Kane um, feels like he's setting up for like a spinoff. Mister Nobody feels like a spinoff guy. I've heard that yeah. the daughter of the Japanese Continental, it, it, like, she might get a spinoff at some point. That's what it seemed like, too. Like, because that, that final scene with her was unnecessary. Yeah. Um, except, <laughs> except for if they want her to be a recurring character. Yeah, and that might, like, it, it might be an Iron Man 2 syndrome thing of, like, espe- well, with this one, the, like, the problem is that, like, Keanu and the director are definitely like they, they've said like they wanted to go out on top they don't want to just keep dragging this out forever so 
spoilers if you haven't heard it doesn't really matter the action scenes are more important uh john wick dies in this one um i knew that going in i'd read it on like a comment somewhere but or an article or something but um yeah no this one john wick dies and that's why there's a lot of slow scenes of like sunsets and sunrises and people yeah. lighting candles and stuff because this is the one where he dies and when somebody dies at the end you need to have a lot of slow scenes of meditation and stuff I mean, they they so heavily telegraphed that he was gonna die yeah like he, a half hour before he actually the words did. he wants put on his tombstone yeah and at, at that point like it's written in stone right yeah <laughs> like he's he's gonna like it, it's not they, they don't try to hide it at that point yeah yeah, no. So, yeah, he he dies at the end, and that's probably why all these other characters are being set up for spin-offs cuz like they're they have already filmed at least most of um Anna de Armas is doing a spin-off called Ballerina, which is going to be set between 3 and 4 uh because Keanu has like a cameo in it and uh Lance Reddick has a, a cameo in it. Rip. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that sucked. It's like he died, and then in the movie he gets shot like immediately. It's like yeah, in such an uneventful way. Yeah, just to, it's just, just to, to prove just a point to, to say Shane how Black. bad. Yeah, yeah, just to say how bad this, um, how bad this. The marquee. Yeah. Yeah, not the yeah. one from the Matrix. It's a different marquee. But I guess <laughs> if you're a French bad guy, your name is the marquee. So. I mean, you've got Keanu and Fishburne, so, yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so... Lance Reddick and Keanu get to cameo in this ballerina movie, which is set up by having Russian ballerinas in 3. Which didn't feel like it was a setup for a spinoff, but that's... I guess that's why that whole scene was included. The whole Russian ballet thing is to set up that they are going to do a spin-off involving a Russian ballerina from the same assassin family in the same world. Um, yeah. But, yeah, for... They put so much attention on these other characters, it does feel like they're trying to set up some spin-offs because they knew that John Wick was going out and this franchise makes so much money that they need to get people to come out and see more movies, even if they have different people in them. And if the action's as good, then I guess it's fine. Like, I didn't care that John Wick died, because he's just kind of a nothing character who's here to enable cool action scenes. Yeah. Like, like there's a... There's a... I don't know, like, there's a soul to it in the first one. Yeah. Um, yeah, the first one wasn't then... written to have sequels, aside from there's like a weird world here behind all the stuff but yeah but yeah the first one is a contained yeah. story of a yeah. murder revenge drama except the thing being murdered is a dog instead of a wife yeah and and then all of this all the sequels are kind of soulless as far as john wick is concerned it's like oh, i guess i'm back in the killing game and then yeah. um he does and then he kills a lot. Yeah, they're they're and then, and then he just keeps getting deeper. Yeah, they're <laughs> like there's there's no more character to explore anymore. They're violent action cartoons, uh, in a world where yeah. there are just assassins around every corner. 
and a guy it, just it's... trying to find a normal life in a world where everybody, you know, if a call goes out to kill you, every person on the street is secretly an undercover assassin and they all want to kill you. It, it's it's just Max Payne at, at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Except it, it's the best Max Payne movie we've ever gotten. Yeah. Um, because the actual Max Payne movie <laughs> is a piece of shit. Yeah. And speaking of cartoons, the the stairs scene at the end of this movie. Uh, I I love that. That's one of my favorite John Wick action. Oh, give me a minute. I'll, I'll be right back. Okay. Okay, I'm back. Right. Yeah, but yeah. So the stairs scene. Uh-huh. It remind. It's kind of like that scene in two or not two, three, where he is like in a hallway with all these glass cases and he gets like shoved and crashes into one of them he stumbles up off the ground <laughs> yeah. the guy picks him up and throws him into the next one and does that like three or four times yeah. um no it, it actually the, happens like eight times yeah. in a row yeah it's just case after case it happens so many times that it becomes funny um right and in this one it's so he's on a deadline he has to get to this specific location by sunrise or else his contest is forfeit and he'll be killed um and to do that he has to get to the top of this 200 something step staircase and there's all these dudes on there and he has like a big fight with all these dudes going up the stairs and he gets to the top and the boring henchmen who i swear to god got killed like three times in this movie and just all of them look the same so i guess i can't tell the difference but he's there and he he just like kicks him down the stairs and he rolls down the stairs rolls like half you know down a hundred steps stumbles back up and the guys followed him down he kicks him down the other hundred steps and he's just <laughs> falling and falling and yeah yeah i've heard it described as being like a simpsons gag which is a pretty good description <laughs> it it it's it actually is kind of like a family guy gag where it just keeps going yeah. and at some point it, it just becomes funny just because of the repetition yeah yeah he just falls down all the stairs it's <laughs> like throw him down throw him down a hundred uh steps and then do it again yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty good um like especially because the the fight leading up to him um falling is so good mm. Um. Yeah, the 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 set pieces in this one are, are just like some of the best. Um, yeah, like which the Japanese continental fight, like that was fun. Like you know the nunchucks and the sumo wrestlers and everything. Yeah, uh, and like the part where he shoots the guy with an air or no the the girl shoots the guy with an arrow. It like sticks through his leg. He's stuck in the wall, and then John shoots him in the head, and he just like flips yeah. over because he's stuck to a wall with an arrow. <laughs> Yeah, I I in 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 the third one and this one, um, I I love so much that they have armored uh, enemies that it, it's like a video game mm. where you have to like there's a specific way you have to kill them. Yeah. Um, and then John, John Wick's just just like, all right, I guess I have to punch them a lot, and then I have to get close and shoot them in the neck. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it's the, the the action is still just extremely good and creative. Um, it's somehow a massive step up from the first one, which is already, you know, just really cool and ridiculous. 
Yeah, I'd have um, to watch the first because like the first one, I don't remember a lot of the action scenes specifically, but like, well, it, a, a lot of the times in the first one, it's like he's just shooting dudes in the like he double taps, he shoots guys in the chest and then in the head, hmm. um, and that's most of the action. And then, like, just something will come out of nowhere and, like, knock him on his ass. And then um, he's in a fist fight. Yeah. That, that's basically how all the action scenes in the first one go. Um, ex- until the last one, where, like, he's just... Like, I don't even think he has a weapon. Mm. Um, but, yeah. Um, and then in the second one is where... Like they they really ramp it up to where, it, like it it's such creative set pieces and action scenes. Um, like uh, like the like the Hall of Mirrors. Um, mm. uh, and the what was it the the Rome catacombs. Um, mm. or the or ruins whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third one, like, they just up it even more. Yeah, like the third one is just like I like the third one a lot because it's all action scenes. Like the plot, yeah, is kind of a disappointment because he starts it on the run, he ends it on the run, and it's like nothing happened. But I remember so many of the action. Like I remember him going to the library and killing a guy with a book. Uh, I remember like the fight in the stables where they're just slapping horses that are kicking people, and then they go to the knife shop and they're just like pulling knives out of cases and throwing them back and yeah. forth. And, and like the part at the end with the hallway of glass cases that he's getting thrown into. Yeah, I I think the first thirty minutes of John Wick Three is probably the best John Wick like slice that you can get out of all of them. Yeah. Even though the the, the first movie is still the best as a whole. Yeah. Um, just because there there's actually a thing to feel something about. Yeah. Um. And John Leguizamo's in it. Said <laughs> hmm. the sloth. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. Like the first one had the best of those line because we didn't know the character yet. They had the best of those like subtle lines of just everyone knows that he's the baddest badass. It's it's like that Chuck yeah. Norris meme of you know whatever ridiculous exaggerated yeah. way of describing a cool dude. And everyone doing yeah. it about Keanu, and he doesn't have to say much of anything because everyone else is saying it for him. Yeah, like like the the I, f- I forget his name, but the the mob boss in the first one when um, he asked uh, John Leguizamo like, "Why did you hit my son?" Mm. and he he says. Um, uh, he stole John Wick's car and killed his dog, and then he's just the the mob boss is just like, oh yeah, and then he he closes the call yeah, and like that's that's the that's the hardest hitting line in the <laughs> entire series yeah, just oh, uh, it it does a lot to set up a, like exactly what we're gonna see because at this point it's like a half hour in the first movie and there's been no action. Yeah, yeah, as far as you know at that point John Wick is just a widower who lives at home with a dog and he's got a vintage car. Yeah. He's got a vintage car that he drives around airport runways. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, and then and then while they're while the the mob boss is actually explaining to his son how much of a badass John Wick is, John Wick is in his basement, um, knocking out his uh, the floor yeah. to find his yeah, all of uh, guns assassin and tools coins and stuff. But, yeah. yeah, I'd love to know how much one of those coins is actually worth, because in in the second one, um, Cassius buys like two rounds of drinks with it mm. <laughs> with one coin uh, and it's like okay so how much is this worth because that's he just bought two rounds of drinks at like an upscale bar so that's like what fifty dollars yeah it's like anytime you want to get anything from the continental you just give one coin or two coins yeah. or whatever it's like one coin per drink one coin per room uh yeah yeah, and I'm pretty sure John Wick gave one coin per body. Yeah. Um, in the in the first movie. Yeah, um, it's when when he called the guys to clean up his house. It's like the Cars universe. You just don't think about it that hard. It'll, it'll all fall yeah. apart. Yeah. Like, how many coins did it take for John Wick to like fully arm himself in the second one? That's what I'd like to know. Mm. Because they have that whole montage of him, like, getting his bulletproof suit and all his weapons. And I think, like, the maybe the plans to the area where um, he want, he needed to kill the woman. Mm. Whose name I forget. Yeah, sister of the Italian guy. Yeah. I remember the guy's name is Santiago. Um, or something. Mm. I don't remember. <laughs> I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. Anyway, John Wick 4 is really good. It's also my least favorite John Wick. Just mm. because it's so long and drawn out. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if they could cut it down to like just those three big action scenes, um, then I'd probably like it more. Yeah. Like the... Like I just didn't really like the 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 fat German guy in the purple suit. Like he was he was really campy, and I enjoyed that part of it. But like everything around it just was kind of a lull. Yeah. <laughs> like the 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 action scene was cool. Like they always are. Yeah. But it was funny how I, everyone in that club, like when the shots start getting fired, every like no one in the club cares. And it's not until the right. guy actually like falls off a staircase and cracks his neck that suddenly everyone is running out of this nightclub where like yeah. people have been killing each other. I guess it took that long for the drugs to wear off or something. <laughs> yeah, because I I was actually looking at the the dancers like while the action was going on, and they they would just like look over their shoulders like, oh look, a guy getting killed. Yeah, uh, like I think toward the end of the fight. And then they'd go back to dancing. Fight, the, like there were a few who were like a little bit scared, but they were just cowering in the corner. They weren't like trying to run or move out of there. They're just like, "Oh, this is scary. Yeah. I'm gonna look scared." But uh, yeah, yeah, most of them are just it's, unfazed by the whole thing. Yeah, it's like, look, I don't, I don't go clubbing. That's not a thing I do. But the music can't be so fucking loud that they can't hear dozens of gunshots going off. Or even <laughs> like, like that's... the people who are in eyesight. 
of the gunshots right. going off. Right. They're, they're like 10 feet away, yeah. and they're like looking at these people being murdered by by like dozens. And, and, and maybe, they, maybe it's just because just they live in a world where everyone is secretly an assassin. Maybe they're all secretly assassins, but it's their off day, and they can't yeah. be bothered to get in on this John Wick bounty. Yeah. It's like that. That's the reason they're in like an upscale nightclub. It's because it's the only it's the only thing that they can do on their days off. Yeah. There, there's a, there's like a, a party scene in every movie too. Now that I'm thinking about it. Did the first one have one? Yeah. Um. He he chases the the kid down to a nightclub. Um. He's in a, like he's in like the pool basement of the nightclub. And uh, John Wick basically threatens his way in. Okay. Um, and then they, the the kid runs out the dance floor, um, and John Wick follows him and shoot shoots a bunch of dudes um, on the way out, and he gets away. Mm. And the the second one had the the party. Yeah. Um, that her, that his target was hosting. Yeah, the big assassination. Yeah, what the third one have? I know it had one. Mm. I don't know. Did they I'm have a party when they went to? What's it? The when they had the fight with the dogs and Halle Berry and stuff. I don't remember. Was there a party before that? At that guy's mansion? Um, no. That was just like a a, a group of guys with guns. Yeah, because it's like he's escaping uh, through New York. And then I think there was like the thing with that guy, and then he goes to the desert and gets his finger cut off, and then he goes back to the hotel, and that was like the end of it. It was all the stuff at the hotel. Maybe there isn't a party in the third one. Yeah, maybe yeah, not. Like, unless a party, if he went through a party while escaping from New York at the start. I don't. I don't think so. Oh, by the way, in the in the third one, I love, I love the scene where he puts together a gun from like three different, three different, like he he shoves parts from three different guns together yeah. to make a, a gun that's just perfect for him, and then he, he shoots one dude with it and then he throws it away. Yeah. Uh, th- like I said, the whole beginning of Jodwick Three is just perfect. Um. The ending is also kind of drawn out, but um, mm. like the the Japanese guy, like he's he's kind of funny, but he, he's mostly just cringe. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I guess. Yeah, John's biggest fan guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's it's so weird that. It's obvious that like all the all the guys John Wick fights at the end, like all the Japanese guys, like they all have a chance to kill him, like multiple times, and then they decide not to, mm. and then and then they they just do that for long enough until John just kicks their asses. Mm. Um, at least he doesn't kill the first two guys; he lets them go. Um. But he does kill the bald guy. Yeah. So, you know. Poor him. Yeah, because if that guy hadn't died, I could see him being, like, Kane from the fourth one. 
Because at least then yeah. the character would have like an on-screen history and not, you know, with with, with Kane, like they they talk up how much like a history he has with Wick. That I kept wondering, was that? A, did I just miss that Donnie Yen was in one of these other movies and I didn't notice? No, it's just every movie they add like ten characters who knew John Wick like twenty years ago. Yeah. Yeah, like I I was kind of telling that to my sisters, like. I know this is kind of confusing already, but, like, to be fair, 90% of the characters in this movie are new. Mm. <laughs> it's like there's uh, there's the manager, there's the um, Lawrence Fishburne, um, and that's about it <laughs> mm. for, for returning characters. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Mr. Krabs is in this one. Yep. Yep, he's the judge. Yeah. This is very stream of consciousness because I'm I'm just remembering things from the movie and then talking about them. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how many of our listeners actually come here for plot. Um but yeah, no. I mean, the the general overall of John Wick 4 is that it has three very good extended action set pieces that are a lot of fun, but also he dies at the end. So to set that up, they have a lot of slow scenes in between those big action set pieces. They should have called this movie John Dies at the End. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's posted that on Twitter. Just a yeah. edit of that. Uh, I don't know, I feel like you'd probably get crucified on Twitter if you posted spoilers. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that happens on Twitter, right? People still get. I, I don't know. Like, I, I quit Twitter. Years cyber ago. murdered. Yeah. <laughs> I assume it is. Yeah. I assume it's worse. Mm. <laughs> in, in every way. Um, but yeah, John Wick, good. Go see all of them. Mm. They're all good. They're all, they're all amazing. Just some are more amazing than others. Mm. Um. Yep. yep. So John Wick 4. Um, I also this week just. I, I saw that the movie The Bad Guys, the DVD, was pretty cheap. And then I found out my library had it, so I didn't have to pay for it. So I watched it. It was good. It's not as good as Puss in Boots. I think my expectations were a little too high. Because coming off of Puss in Boots, I thought, oh, another DreamWorks movie where they do some stylistic animation stuff. Not quite to the extent that Puss in Boots did, but. Um, yeah, I don't know, it was fine. Oh, is that is that that one where it's like animals, like robbing a bank or something? Yeah, so it's it's like an, an animal heist movie, except, I don't know, like, the world of it kind of confused me, but you're just supposed to go with it, where all the major characters are anthropomorphic animals, and everyone else in the world is just a human. Um, and nobody comments on that. It's not a thing. I guess it's like a Looney Tunes logic or something. Um, but yeah, cause it, it there, there's the main heist crew. There's, uh, the wolf, um, is like the main character. He's like a cool bad guy, but he's having second thoughts cause like he does something good for someone and then starts thinking, oh, I feel good when I do good for people. Maybe I should be a good guy instead. Um. 
and then there's Mr. Snake, who's like best friend forever, who is also a bad guy who feels like he can't be anything other than a bad guy and doesn't want to even try because he just enjoys being bad. Um, and then there is a spider voiced by Aquafina, who is a like they call her Webs because she's the hacker of the group who does all the hacking stuff. Um, there's let's see, there's a shark. I uh, can't remember his name, but yeah, he's like the muscle. He's the big guy. Um, I think there's another one I'm forgetting. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a heist crew. They have decided that uh, they're going to do the biggest heist ever and steal this golden dolphin statue from a gala thing um, right out from under the nose of Mayor Diane Foxington, who you find out later in the movie, is actually also, you know, like a former criminal who's reformed. Um, like, she dropped her criminal identity and decided to just be good. And then got elected mayor somehow, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, Tough on crime. Yeah. So they um, <laughs> fail to steal the statue, mainly because the wolf botches it because he's having these second thoughts. Um and then as they're getting arrested, a hamster, not a hamster, a guinea pig voice, uh, what is it? it? It sounds like Ricky Gervais. I don't, oh no, no, it's not Ricky Gervais. It's, um, I don't remember his name. He's, he's from like the IT crowd and uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and stuff, the, like the black guy from that one. Um, oh yeah, I know who you're talking yeah. about. I've also forgotten his name, yeah, but I know exactly he, he's who voice, you mean. He's voicing this guinea pig character who is like a professor who's being celebrated at this gala for Nobel Prize stuff. Um, and he's like, oh, we, uh, well, the, the wolf basically persuades him into saying like, oh yeah, we should give these guys a second chance. We should um, try to reform them. And so he goes through all this, all these like things to try to reform them and make them better while they keep trying to do heist stuff uh and then um they so they decide because the wolf you know he genuinely wants to be nice but everyone else just wants to do heists so he like they he like gets is that the slogan it it should be but it wasn't (laughs) um but no so they they decide that they're, they're, they're going to be at another big event celebrating that they're all reformed now, and they're going to use that event to steal the statue right out from under everyone again. Um, but then the wolf decides not to steal it, but then uh, turns out that the hamster guy is, or the, the guinea pig, is actually also a supervillain who had been manipulating them as part of his own plan to steal this giant asteroid thing that lets him mind control other guinea pigs. So he uses he steals that, frames them all for it. They all get arrested, and then he uses that to raise up an army of mind-controlled guinea pigs to try to heist all the charity money that was um, collected. And so the, the bad guys have like a falling out, and they uh, like go separate ways, and they have to come back together to stop the guinea pigs and. I don't know. It, it, it was a cute movie. It's it was fun. Um, it, it it was fine. 
there's some scenes that are, you know, kind of fun in that they're doing, like, a Tarantino Pulp Fiction kind of tribute. You know, scenes of just, like, people having a conversation about random shit. Um, just, like, in a diner. It felt very Tarantino. Like, they, they were going for that vibe yeah. of, like, the 90s heist movie. Yeah, except without the ultraviolence, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's all kid friendly stuff. Um, that's a shame. They 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 should they should make uh they should make a movie that's entirely kid friendly. Mm. But then at some point there's just like like really bloody action scenes. Like the itchy and scratchy movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean kinda, yeah. Um but like I, I wanna see like that DreamWorks movie, except it turns into John Wick at some point. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, if they did, the, it'd be like a Minions movie where, like, people are all getting, like, gunned down, but the, there's no blood. They just, like, fall over on the ground. Yeah. In a comical way. I'm sure somebody's edited in blood. Yeah. To a Minions movie. Yeah, yeah no, because I watched that, and then I also watched uh, the new Batman animated movie, The Doom That Came to Gotham. Which is uh, Batman versus Cthulhu. Um, I had read the comic years ago. Um, I remembered liking it. Um, I man, pulled it. Batman back. really can't beat anybody with prep time. Huh? Yeah, like I pulled it back out to look through to see how close this was, and they like, they, they made some changes, but the overall is pretty close. Like the comic was, it's, it's Mike Mignola, the um, creator of Hellboy, did the original comic. And it's yeah, like it, it's sense. an alternate universe Batman that's you know pulling a lot of like storyline things from H.P. Lovecraft stories. So like it starts off in Antarctica where Batman and his three Robins in the comic they I mean they're they're not called Robins they're just like his like orphan children he's adopted to work for him. Um, in the comic they were um, Dick, uh, Jason, and Tim. In this movie, they are Grayson, um, Todd, which they spell T-A-W-D-E, but it, it's a Jason Todd pun. Um, and an Asian girl named Kylie, which a character uh, later accidentally mispronounces as Kelly, because it's Carrie Kelly. Um, but yeah, he's... Yeah. Bruce Wayne and his three wards go to Antarctica... And find that um, like they're they're looking for their associate, Mister Cobblepot, who's gone missing, and it turns out he's gone native and he's living amongst the penguins now. And um, I get and it. And then uh, Victor Freeze has seen un you know eldritch things that I should never see. He's, he's clawed out his own eyes, and there's just sockets now, and he can shoot ice and radiate ice because he's you know this version of Mister Freeze now. Um, so they, they take him, like, prisoner aboard their ship and bring him back to Gotham. You know, they're getting all these weird eldritch warnings about the end of the world and stuff. Um, and I don't remember all the plot beats. There's, like, a mystery and an investigation that ends up leading to, like, Talia al Ghul stealing a statue to resurrect Ra's al Ghul to be the priest of this eldritch horror um and 
and like freeze ends up like freezing the ship and killing the Jason Todd Robin who was left aboard to guard him um, and then the Dick Grayson one huh. goes to try to rescue him and gets killed too so Kylie is the only surviving Robin um, but that's fine yeah but then yeah so and then there's, there's also a thing with um, what's it the the demon guy Etrigan uh, Etrigan shows up oh, yeah. and has a warning for Batman about how all of this is going to go down that like the city's going to burn and you will die and be reborn um, which all leads up to like big final fight where he, he like tracks down Raish and Talia and has like a fight with them and then they're you know they bring like a tentacle god through a portal and uh, somehow I don't remember Bruce ends up transforming into a Batman you know it's like man bat so he, he's just he is a, a humanoid bat at the end of it um, having this you know it's like having his mind broken by this tentacle monster but is aware enough to break the seal to release Etrigan who'd been captured so Etrigan can send this thing back to hell um, and then Bruce as a Batman just has to live in a bell tower now while everyone believes he's dead <laughs> okay <Yeah. laughs> that's that's a it's, weird a weird ending yeah it's it's cosmic horror batman um i mean I, like all these animated movies they've done lately the animation always feels kind of cheap so in that sense it's not as good as it could have been but at least they're doing creative things with it yeah I mean that that seems to be DC Animation's mo is just hey here's this weird thing um, some people might like it yeah no, they have really great premises and then make really mediocre movies out of them yeah I remember like ten ten or so years ago like the DC animated movies just were awesome mm -hmm. just well most of them. Like that, there was always some. Uh, there's always some stragglers, but like a, a lot of them were pretty great. Um, mm. And I haven't watched a lot of them recently, but it seems like a lot of them are just. Hey, that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I mean they they put out like <laughs> four of them a year, so like they're, yeah. they're cranking these things out so fast that like the animation feels rushed. The storytelling feels just pretty basic like the only really remarkable one that's come out since under the red hood is probably the um uh ninja turtles one. well yeah the ninja turtles one was a lot of fun and the the long halloween adaptation it's you know visually it's brighter than the com like i like like the heavy shadows of the comic that's the thing that they haven't really captured since the animated series because that one yeah. it was all done on black paper with ink on top of it so that one had the heavy shadows of like a batman comic and that's you know a part of the problem with this doom that came to gotham is that you know it's another like very heavy shadow black comic that just looks too bright when they animate it the way they do um so long yeah. halloween the animation is not perfect but it does it, it does better than a lot of their other ones. It doesn't feel as cheap. 
and like yeah they and like they changed the ending which i didn't really like but uh, aside from that it was still it was pretty good um yeah but the rest of them just i don't know they they, they make interesting enough premises that i give them a shot and then i'm bored when i watch them yeah i i think the dc animated movies it, it, like it the best way to experience them is through like four minute youtube clips or <laughs> mm. like they take the best four minutes of the movie and just like here you go here's a funny interaction between i don't know green lantern and, and wonder woman whatever yeah. and then you watch the justice league cartoon for the 18th time mm. because it's still the best yeah. And that's that's kind of sad, but also really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that covers everything I'd written down for topics. Because um, everything so, else has just been like Magic the Gathering's storyline just wrapped up. I I don't know. What they're finally done after well forty the, years or whatever thirty. Yeah, it's the 30th anniversary. They just wrapped up the big storyline for that. The set for it comes out in like two weeks. Um, oh man, just wait till One Piece is done. Mm. <laughs> just wait till yeah. Dragon Ball is done. I mean, Magic's gonna keep going. They, you know, for as much of a big event as this is, only a few characters are actually dead, which I'm fine with. Like I, I, I was kind of stressed through the whole thing because it's like, oh great, they're just gonna kill a bunch of characters and leave us with all these new shitheads who I don't I, I don't care about the Emperor. I don't care about Tyvar. I don't care about Nico or any, any of these new fuckers but whatever. I don't know. The, the, the end, like this, the story I don't know. I, like I kept seeing articles saying like, oh the magic story, it's good now. Everyone's excited about it, and it, it gave me a bit of an existential crisis, because I'm starting to think, maybe I just don't like Magic Story that much. Um, and I, yeah, I've been just decompressing that for the last week. You don't have to like it, it's a card game. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I pinpointed the main break for me was that before they did a big event back in 2019 called War of the Spark, which is on. Like, I started collecting around 2016, and that's when they were building up to this War of the Spark, which was like a big planeswalker battle. Everybody has to fight this one elder dragon who wants to steal all their powers. Um, and while they were doing that, they so magic. The, there's a th a thing that it's called a bundle now. It used to be called a fat pack. It's like. A, a cardboard box that has eight to ten booster packs in it and some other promos and stuff those used to come with a booklet that um have like a description of the set and the story of the set and show like a card gallery of all the cards in the set um and pokemon still does this but war of the spark was the last time magic did it and after that they stopped including the booklet and started putting in a dice and a promo card instead which is more useful for people who are going to buy multiple fat packs because you don't need more than one of this booklet um, 
But that's mostly where I got the story from, was from reading these booklets. So huh. since they stopped doing those, I I just haven't cared as much about the story or the characters. Um, like, I, I've tried reading the web fiction. Like, that's where all the story's coming from now, but it just doesn't feel the same when it's a bunch of prose on an internet page and not, like, colorful pictures in a book. Yeah. So, I'm just not as invested as uh, everyone else seems to be, I guess. Except for a lot of... Like, the people I play Magic with don't even know the story at all, so they're, you know... They, they just like the cards. Cards. The, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like people who would be super deep into a card game story um, <laughs> probably don't even play in real life. Mm. Uh, like, honestly... That, that sounds like a... Yeah, it, it's a weird balance. I mean, it's, you know, like... Like, Pokemon is a card game, but, you know, any of the story comes from, like, the video game and the anime. Uh, the cards are just pictures of characters. Yeah. And Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, there is whatever the Dark World stuff, like, some narrative of the monsters versus the monsters, but most of the story of Yu-Gi-Oh! is the like anime manga of people who play the card game featuring these cards that you can also play and yeah. with magic it's like there there is they've tried like the, there's lore they, yeah they, like, they they've done they were trying to make like a netflix show or whatever but like the story it like it's a card game but there is a story of the characters in the cards that is represented on the cards and then represented in more detail in used to be novels and then it became short stories online and then they dropped off doing that all together shortly after War of the Spark and then they brought the web stories back um so yeah like that there's a story and there's characters on the cards that explains you know why why we're going to whatever place and you know what's happening to th this and that character on this place and this storyline and the the set that's about to come out is an event where Phyrexia the they're like H.R. Geiger's the Borg um, they're machine monster huh. horror things that want to turn everyone else into machine monster horror things um, the set that just came out was when we went back to the the home plane that they are based on and had ten planeswalkers go in and five of them got transformed. And now the set that's coming out, March of the Machine, is when Phyrexia has opened the gates to the rest of the multiverse and they're invading. And so there are like creature there's creatures and characters on every plane who are teaming up to fight back, and there's ones who are being transformed. Um and it's, you know, their big Avengers Endgame storyline thing. Uh, which is also a little bit rushed compared... Like, Magic sets used to come out in two to three set blocks to really, you know, expand on a story of a set. And as far as, like, sales of the cards and the sets go, they've had much better luck just releasing one set per place at a time. So we're jumping around a lot more and as a card game it's more fun to get the variety of that but as a story it's just like you know they have to go one and done on every 
story arc so it, th- there's no room to breathe for any of it mm. and so i mean it's like it's a mix of that and march of the machine ends up hinging on a couple characters one of which is like a new character who hasn't really done much of anything and is you know suddenly the one saving the entire multiverse and another one is a character who died like 10 years ago and was brought back in a set like three years ago and has done one thing since and now she's being resurrected as an angel to uh because she died again she died a second time and now she's being resurrected as an angel by a character who was also dead um to Some, just somehow become, palpatine returned yeah that she just comes in and now she's like it felt like soup like in the story it feels like the end of the justice league movie where superman comes in and like why did we bother with any of these other superheroes when we have this one indestructible guy here and that's what Elspeth feels like at the end of this is that she just comes in and now she's an angel and they throw every attack at her and they just bounce off and she's got her big fuck off golden sword and is just like cuts the and clucks his head off and now he's gone like there's one Praetor dead um, so it's like and, a Dragon Ball movie where they all give their power to Goku and he just finishes the big monster off I, I, yeah I was fully expecting a spirit bomb to be the conclusion of the story arc <laughs> and it wasn't like that may have been more fitting to what they were trying to do of like the entire multiverse is on the line and everyone's on the ropes and we're all trying to fight back against this what ends up happening is more phantom menacey where it's like <laughs> um, they kill the no. bad guy and it turns it that she was Elish Norn, she was using the glistening oil, which is like the glistening oil just does whatever the writers want it to do. It it's usually used uh. to like corrupt and change things, but in this storyline, I guess they switched it again. So what it's being used for is to like remotely control all the forces because she didn't trust them to operate on their own. She wants to be in control of everything. So when she dies, and the plane of Phyrexia is ripped out of the multiverse. Um, all the soldiers just go comatose. So it's like the battle droids get shut down because you blew up the command station. And that's how they stopped the invasion of the multiverse. So they all just fell down. Um, it just nice. feels... It feels lackluster. It, it feels like, honestly, they, like they wanted to do a very big set, like a big endgame story of everyone is affected by this big thing but it was too big of a thing to do well like I, I you know i was just i was worried the entire time that's like how are you going to resolve this in a interesting way because it is too big for you to possibly fix in a way that feels right like the ramifications of this should be continuing for years and years and that's not what they're going to do because that would not be a good thing to do for like card sales you know nobody wants to have to deal with the post-apocalyptic aftermath of phyrexia invading every plane everywhere you know we're gonna have that all mopped up by the time the next uh, set comes out but. that that reminds me of watching loki and like thinking about the tva and how <laughs> mm. nothing else really matters at this point yeah because because everything else is just so small compared to 
this one thing and yeah, yeah. I mean I'm still looking forward to the next sets because I you know I, I like the small stories more than um, you know the the big event like it, it, you know when it feels like they're building toward a big event that's nice because at least there's that forward momentum but when they actually yeah. reach the big event it's just too big so I don't know if there's like a middle ground they could meet there of having a pervasive threat but not having to have the giant climax with the giant consequences except I don't know like they build this set as like having giant consequences and I was worried about that but I guess I shouldn't have been because they're, there's not really there's like a couple <laughs> major characters who are in limbo until they're they're doing a follow-up set called the aftermath to explain until they revive them yeah well i don't know like i think maybe jay if jace becomes the next big bad guy that'd be cool because he was like the leader of the good guys for a while um but otherwise like nissa and the johnny both got corrupted and then changed back to normal because of magic bullshit so uh they're fine yeah, don't worry about it. Tamio is dead. Like, she got corrupted and then killed, but she left behind, like, an AI copy of herself, so I guess that's the new Tamio now. Um, Man, magic is wild. Luka <laughs> died, but he sucked, and nobody cares. So, that's fine. <laughs> Hell yeah, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, Luca is a character who was introduced three years ago in a set uh, as, like, the, the face character of that set. Um... The cards show like he he's from a plane where there's like kaiju monsters and humans who are just trying to survive. Um, they showed in the cards it looked like his story arc is that he is decided to like befriend these monsters and he has one that's like his partner, but then uh, the like evil general of the human forces wants to kill his pet uh, flying tiger thing uh, and he has to rescue it. Um, and then they released a, a digital short story along with that that had a completely different story where Luca is actually like manipulating the monsters and he's a bad guy. Um, and it was confusing. So a year later he returns in the Strixhaven set as a minor bad guy who has just decided to work with these like punks who want to overthrow the school on Strixhaven. And then when things start going sideways he books it out of there um and then when we get to this phyrexia arc suddenly it's like well the whole multiverse is on the line so i guess we'll accept luca's help to fight the phyrexians and as soon as they get to phyrexia he's like i'm gonna mind meld one of these you know uh, robot monster beast things and immediately gets himself corrupted and becomes one of the bad guys and then in march of the machine he gets sent to go conquer that plane that he originally came from and uh yeah just gets his ass beat and killed and and whatever he's gone waste of a character yeah fuck him though <laughs> I don't know anything about him other than what you just said but fuck him yep yeah and I guess Tyvar's the new hotness now cause he's just a himbo yeah like he, he is this like buff elf dude who never wears a shirt 
He comes nice. from Kaldheim, which is like the Norse plane, and when he's there, he's just like, oh, yeah, people are in danger, sure, let's go beat some stuff up and save them. That's that's what I want to do. I'm, that's just all, so everything I'm about. So and, it's Thor. It's just yeah. Thor. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Thor on his silliest days is what Tyvar is. Yeah, there's worse. There's yeah. a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, they needed a replacement for Gideon after they killed him a few years ago, so I guess Tyvar's the new musclehead guy. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree completely. Mm. Yep. Uh, um, let's see, what else have we got? Um... I played I played Resident Evil 4 VR for a little bit, um, but the first time I was like, "This is too easy." So this time, I'm playing on the uh, professional difficulty, and I turned off the laser sight. So now it's uh, it's there. There's iron sights on the guns, so um, you can aim manually. It just takes longer. Mm. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I, I I only played for about a half hour, so mm. you know it, it's yeah. not that complicated yet. <laughs> yeah. Maybe later when there's you know dudes with non-headshotting masks and um, Wolverine guys chasing after me, it might get a little hectic, but not yet. Mm. Yeah, I was looking at the Switch version to see if. I don't know. I mean, like, I've played a bunch of the Resident Evils. I don't, like, I'm not that big on them, but after playing through Metroid Prime Remake, I, I kind of want to play another shooter. So I was looking at either four or five. Um, if you want to play five, I'll play with you. <laughs> mm. I, I was thinking about five, but I mainly want to play it because I'm a pervert and I want to play the shiva bikini but i don't know if they give you that from the start or if you have to get all the medals like you did in the original because that would mean having to play through the entire game before i could get the good outfit i i assume they don't give you that one unless it's like a super like late special edition kind of thing maybe yeah no like it, it was there in the base game it's just a thing that you know you have to like, get the medals in every level to unlock it um, I remember when I first played in like 2011 um, they had it was like a whatever they called the game of the year edition at that point mm. um, and they I, I had Chris in like a Mad Max like bondage type outfit <laughs> um, mm. and Sheva was in like an, an office lady outfit mm. um, so that was funny I never, I don't, I don't think they had a bikini outfit in that one, at least not unlockable from the start. Yeah, no, it's like the tribal bikini thing. Uh, oh, okay. Look up what Google says about this. Uh, do we have any other topics for things? Um, not really. I didn't do much. Uh, Aside from John Wick and Disney, mm. and a half hour of Resident Evil Four. 
Okay, well, um, GameSpot Game Facts from 14 years ago says to unlock the alternate outfit you need 30 BSAA emblems. Um, oh, and then there's a longbow, which I guess is separate, and you just have to upgrade the rifle all the way to get the longbow. Um, yeah, I should look so, and see if this is on the Switch version, though. Okay, so I'm looking at all of Shiva's out outfits, and I like how her original outfit is like Laura Croft-ish, mm. and then all of her optional outfits are just uh, her in bikinis, basically. Yeah, just all the fetish outfits. Either either bikinis or like really short skirts. Yeah. Okay. That's very re Resident Chapter Evil. com costumes for Resident Evil 5. Uh, Club and Shava, beat the game. Stars Chris, 25 emblems. Safari Chris, beat the game. Tribal Shiva, shoot 30 emblems. Okay, yeah, so you still have to shoot 30 emblems, which means emblems in all the levels. That's fine, you can look up where those are. Yeah, like I did the first time, but it means you have to play the whole game and then you can play it again. We can I do that. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think the main thing that's stopping me is that uh, getting 5 on Switch, it's download only. And it's 20 gigabytes. Oh. Uh, current memory card has 50 gigabytes left. And I don't know how many more games I'll want for it before... Uh, the I mean, I can always just buy another memory card, but I'm lazy. Like, I have a second memory card right now. I just don't like having to swap them. So, I could download it, but... I'll cut into the space I have left. Well, let me know. Yeah, Let me know if you ever do, and we'll play it. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, it, it's it's a miserable experience <laughs> in single player. Mm. Uh, at least for me, it is. But I, then again, I hate Resident Evil controls. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and like Resident Evil Five is faster than most of them like the early ones but still it's uh not great but it's fun with another person yeah yeah because like and those like seven and eight are on there but they're the cloud versions and i don't like doing cloud version anything on switch yeah yeah i mean the only reason i'm even playing resident evil 4 vr is because it's vr mm. um and they changed a lot of the systems to make it work right yeah. Um, see yourself getting stabbed with a chainsaw in first person. <laughs> they they actually switched to third person. Um, like when you do a kick or anything, it's kind of weird, but you get used to it. Also, it seems like the sound's getting kind of roboty, so might be the Discord's getting tired. <sighs> Fucking Discord can't even last two hours. Hmm. Um. I think we're done. Maybe a little early, but mm. yeah, we're almost at two hours. Yep. Nope. Next time we'll have hopefully D and D movie and Mario movie to talk about. Um, yeah. And Clone Wars season six, maybe seven too. Hopefully, I'll have time to go through like all of the all of the Disney cartoon shorts that I don't care about. <laughs> And no, then we can get them. to not movies. <laughs> I, I might. Um, yeah, no. If if they were too lazy to make a movie and they just 
compiled a bunch of their old cartoons. You shouldn't have to watch it as part of a movie watch. We'll see. I, I do like classic Disney cartoons, so. mm. but yeah, I mean, if if I if I'm not into it, I might just skip them. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah, eventually we'll get to like Cinderella and Jungle Book and stuff like that, where I'll actually have more to say. Yeah, yeah, cause, uh, yeah. Actually, skipping things reminds me that um, when I took that movie out from the library, that borrowed a couple other movies, and uh, well, I can't remember what all of them were. I know like the producers was one of them, and I saw it years ago. Um, but I tried watching it again, and it, it just like Gene Wilder was screaming so much that I'm like, I I don't feel like watching this. You know, yeah. in that like. The, the way where it's supposed to be funny that he's screaming, but it just gets kind of annoying. Um, cause, yeah, I, I think that was like an earlier Mel Brooks. It doesn't have yeah a lot of the, uh, you know, like quick comedy editing of a lot of his, you know, later stuff. Yeah. It's just I, a lot I, of flat I, shots of people being slightly wacky. I feel like the comedy and the producers is more in the ideas than um, like yeah. the 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 minute to minute, like what's on screen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's kind. Of, it's not not the easiest watch. You know, it's not like watching um, Spaceballs or Men in Tights or something like that, where yeah. it's just uh, constant jokes, and yeah. most of them landing. Yeah, yeah, because I, I started watching that one and I stopped, and then I watched like half of The Man Who Knew Too Little, which is a Bill Murray movie. Like, the premise sounded funny. It's it's like a, a comedy where Bill Murray is just this idiot American who comes over to the UK to participate in like a live-action reality show thing. Uh, he has to like pick up a phone and the the phone call will tell him where to go next and it's all secretly being filmed or something um, and so he goes to do that uh, and ends up accidentally picking up a call for a hitman and being instructed to go off so he's, he ends up like caught up in this like spying hitman plot but he's too much of an idiot to realize what's going on and hmm. um Meanwhile, the hitman is actually like, uh, you know, like trying to hunt him down and stuff. Uh, it sounded like a really funny premise, and in execution, it was just so boring. I got like halfway in, started looking up reviews. Like, does does this get funny later? And uh, it, it doesn't. It, it was just kind of a flop. So, so I just stopped watching it. Yeah, I've never even heard of it. <laughs> well, it, it, I, I guess I think it's I've from heard, 1997, I've heard of the so it's like late Bill Murray. Yeah, I've heard of the title, but that's yeah. about it. Yeah, no, it's a pun on an Alfred Hitchcock movie, but otherwise doesn't actually have anything to do with that movie. It was just like a script based on a book or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I Bill Murray is either like really funny or insufferable, depending on the movies, and so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, he was fine in the movie. It's just that everyone else is just uh, well, everyone else in like the directing, and it just wasn't as funny as the premise made it out to be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, so we're 
we're closer to two hours now. Yeah. We're constantly closer to two hours until we hit two hours and we'll get further away. Yep. Yep. That's how you want to ramble. F- <laughs> <laughs> we can ramble for two minutes if you want. I guess. I don't know. What do you want to ramble about? Uh, I don't know. Um, Lord of the Rings. Mm. I think Lord of the Gimli Rings, got the, the magic sh- exp- expansion coming in June. Mm, I mean, not especially, but you can go off on that, Queen. No, I mean <laughs> they they've previewed some of it. Um, I, I don't know. There's not even anything funny to say about the One Ring controversy because it's just, eh. I don't know. Did you hear about what they're doing with the One Ring and the Rings of Power and that set? No. Okay. Well, um, okay. Giant levels of bullshit. There. Okay, so there are uh, a type. There's a type of Magic the Gathering pack. Like the regular ones are called draft boosters. The set boosters that cost like a dollar more and they have like slightly higher chance of more rares. And then there's these things called collector boosters that cost between twenty to thirty-five dollars depending on the set. And it's still only 15 cards, but like half of them are rares. So what they're doing with this Lord of the Rings set is that within those boosters, you have a chance of getting serialized cards, which is like, you know, a card with a number, like number out of number, and uh, there's only that many of them in existence. And this is the thing they've done with some of their other sets. You know, your odds of ever getting any of those are super slim. But with Lord of the Rings set, they're doing reprints of the card Soul Ring, which is a very common, popular card, um, with flavor text and art representing the Elven Rings, the Dwarven Rings, and the Rings of Men. And the Elden Rings? Elven. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And they're, they're... No, they haven't done an Elden Ring. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they did an Elden Ring set at some point. Seems in the wheelhouse of the stuff they're doing, but... Yeah, I don't... Does, does Dark Souls, like, market that way, though? I don't think they usually do. Yeah, there's, like, a board game or miniatures game of Dark Souls, I think. Or huh. I, th- I think there's, like, an Elden Ring miniatures game. Um, but a- Anyway, yeah, yeah so these, go these, ahead. These rings, they're doing promos. There are 300 of the Elven rings, uh, 700 of the Dwarven, and 900 of the the rings of men um in the serialized versions and then this non-serialized those same you know three seven nine except thousand so the odds of getting any of these serialized or not is extremely slim because that's all there are in existence um although i I mean i don't know how big the print run is but still very slim odds and then there is a one ring written in the black speech of mordor um, and it's a one out of one serialized card. So there is only one in the world. Um, and there's like already a person who is put out that if, uh, anybody finds that he's willing to pay a hundred thousand dollars or match any other, you know, higher amounts that people are offering for that, uh. um, it, you know the consensus with this stupid card is that it is either going to end up in the hands of some rich shithole collector or 
it's going to be either like just lost in a pack that's never opened or in the binder of some collector who doesn't know its value or um it's going to end up in a landfill because yeah it's just going to be destroyed yeah because they've mass printed and then yeah and then people are saying like hey if anybody gets it uh they want to buy it so they can throw it into a volcano because that's where it belongs um, i mean to be honest i would i would 100 percent throw a card into a volcano if it cost a hundred thousand, if it was worth a hundred thousand dollars, that's yeah, yeah. This card—that's a story you'll never forget. Misery, so yeah, that's that's where it belongs. I would crowdfund a trip to a volcano. Yeah, well, yeah, because like, <laughs> just so I could throw the, it in. The guy who offered a hundred thousand dollars put out a second offer and said, "I will give you fifty thousand dollars to go with you to this volcano and film it being thrown in." Hell yeah! So. Yeah, it's, you know, Willy Wonka's golden tickets. It's a real thing now, and it's a card of the One Ring from Lord of the Rings. There's only one in the world. You have to buy really expensive magic packs to find it, and good luck ever finding it. I mean, that... There's a, you know, much like the ring itself, it may be lost for a thousand years in a warehouse that then dumps it into a landfill somewhere, and then it's just rotting in a landfill that's cool conceptually i guess um it's a thing that's getting people talking about the set um i don't i mean part of me thinks probably they're going to seed it into a pack that yeah just happens to to find its way to someone who will be able to broadcast that they got yeah yeah they're not yeah they're smarter than that (laughs) yeah they're not going to take the chance that this thing does end up just lost forever even if it completely you know shatters their credit i mean their credibility is already shot so who cares yeah they're they're gonna they're gonna put it in a pack that pack is gonna go in a box um and that box is gonna go to like some famous magic to do (laughs) post malone Malone is a very famous he is he is such a magic the gathering fan that they did a secret lair promo set of let's see there were five just regular old basic lands that he like autographed and drew little pictures on um that was 30 bucks for those five lands and then they did a set of uh five i mean it's four cards with a bonus card um there's post son of rich which is uh crick son of yogmoth but with post malone in the artwork um (laughs) Post Sigil, which is Leshrac Sigil, but it's it's got Post Malone in concert on the picture. Uh, Post Citadel, which is Bolus's Citadel, but with Post Malone doing a concert on top of Bolus's Citadel. And uh, Jet Medallion, which is just called Jet Medallion, but it's like a necklace around Post Malone's neck. Um, and then secret bonus card, Post the Enchanter, which is Zer the Enchanter, but it's Post Malone. Uh yeah, no. Po- Post Malone is like the celebrity face of magic right now. I th- I thought you j- you just pulled that out of nowhere, and that no. was the funniest shit. No, he he has been on the command zone. He's been uh, I think he he's got to have talked to the professor. He's he like uh, there's a bunch of like uh, magic YouTubers, and he's just shown up on their shows to do magic stuff, and he like you know he spent like a hundred thousand dollars on the Black Lotus at auction. Yeah. <sighs>
that's funny. No, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Um, so if it ends up in his like, hands, I would understand because Watsy's got to keep feeding him to make sure he stays their number one fan. I'm glad it's not like Vin Diesel where he just like turns no, his D&D, D&D characters into uh, <laughs> like multi-million dollar failures yeah. <laughs> of movies. Yeah, I mean, maybe he'll get to cameo in the D&D movie or something. That that would be a weird thing, right? If they made a D&D movie and didn't at least ask Vin Diesel to be in it. Yeah. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be weird? Yeah, and it's, it's Paramount making it in... Uh, I can't... Fast and Furious, is that Paramount or Universal? Um, I have no idea. I haven't seen a Fast and Furious movie in like five years. I don't remember. Yeah, because if it's Paramount, then it would make sense. You know, they've already got, you know, connections in house to call them up. I usually don't pay attention to studios when I'm watching movies. To be honest, unless I already know. Yeah. That it, uh, yeah, that it's I like mean, Disney. It, you know, in the current studio system, anyone can go anywhere, no problem. But still i figure if there is already a connection there it's more likely yeah i mean maybe maybe paramount um made all of vin diesel's um passion project failures Mm. (laughs) because he's got a few of them Mm. uh riddick Yeah, I mean, Riddick's the only one I could think of. of some, I haven't seen Riddick, but it would make sense if that was a... There's, uh, there's, there's like The Last Witch or something. Oh, yeah. I, which is the one I was talking about. Yeah. Which is ba- based on one of Vin Diesel's D&D characters. Mm. <laughs> Apparently. I haven't seen the whole story behind it, but that's what I've heard. Mm. Um, which is hilarious to me. That that's this that's the version of the Adam Sandler thing taken to an extreme. Like, mm. oh, I'm I'm gonna film a movie and get vacations for all my friends. Like, no, I'm gonna make a like a hundred million dollar Hollywood movie from a D and D campaign. Yeah, well, that that's like peak vanity project. It's yeah, like, you know the vacation thing is like almost anti vanity project. That it's just I'm going to exploit this movie's production to have a good time. Yeah. Where, like, Sony will give me all the money I want. Yeah, that's like, like your traditional vanity project is like someone writes and directs a movie where they are the star and they're the coolest person ever. And yeah. with Vin Diesel, it's like I'm I'm not only going to be the coolest person ever. I'm going to be my fictional character who I well, I mean, I guess I don't know. Yeah, that's it's not that much different from a regular vanity project. It's just you embody your character a little bit more. It's not yeah. just like a stand-in for yourself, but it kind of is. Okay, you just reminded me of something. Um, in Expendables 2... <laughs> in Expendables 2, there's a scene with Chuck Norris. Have you seen it? I haven't um, seen any of them. Okay, well... There's a point in Expendables 2 where all, you know, everybody, like, oh, there's tanks and guys with guns, they're shooting at us, we're totally doomed, and then everything just suddenly blows up, and uh, Chuck Norris appears, mm. and there, and I mean, he has a he has a character name, but nobody cares. No, um, he lifts up his beard, and there's another fist underneath. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's like, everybody's like, 
Chuck Norris, I thought you died. And one of the guys is like, yeah, I thought you got bit by a snake. And <laughs> Chuck Norris says, yeah, but after three days of horrible pain, the snake finally died. Okay, so and... he just does the Chuck Norris movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's a terrible movie. It's a yeah. terrible movie. The villain's name is Villain. It's It's mm-hmm. amazing, but it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure one of them they got to like Anton Nagist is the villain. <laughs> uh, Badji. Mm. It's a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So we're we're getting further away from two hours now. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've we've met the quota, and everyone should be asleep by now. Santa's watching. I, I told yeah. you we can ramble for yeah. fifteen minutes. Yeah, I mean we started recording early. You know, like we are yes recording on a Sunday. That's why the episode's late. But um, we it's are. It's all Jade's uh, fault. Yeah, <laughs> I was just too tired. But um, but yeah, we did start recording earlier than we usually do on Sunday, so we actually have time. I don't have to you know run and pack immediately. Yay! I still have another hour before I have to be out the door. Yay. Um, I don't have to feel guilty now. Because, spoiler alert, it it wasn't Jade. I had to work yesterday. Again. And, and then again. John Wick. Yeah. yeah. And then I went to see John Wick. Um, which is better than working, but still uh, <laughs> very exhausting because it's a three-hour movie. Mm. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, like, I wouldn't have minded it being three hours if it had the pace of three, where it's just action, 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 all the way. Like, like Infinity War is three hours, but the pacing on it is so good that you don't feel it. Where, like, Endgame is also three hours, and you do feel it, because everyone is sad for the first two hours. Yeah, it John Wick Four did feel like a long three hours. Um, it's not even like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Where yeah, it's three hours, but shit, it, like different shit is happening all the time. Mm. Um, I mean, and like in John Wick, like things happen, but it's like it's all just people are gonna shoot each other. So you know. Yeah. No, it's just a lot of. You know, setting up the next big action scene while also reminding you that John dies at the end of this one. Um, yeah. And then, then we get to that big action scene for whatever 30 minutes that it runs for. And then, you know, transitional scenes again. Yeah. That whole, like, that whole final action scene where John's trying to get to the church mm. might, like, might be the best <laughs> In, in the the series, yeah, like, like that, from the it, it's a lot like the Escape from New York, where it's you know there's a time limit. Well, I guess the New York one didn't really have a time limit, but it it's everyone in the city wants to kill him, and so we're transitioning from one set piece to another in one location. Yeah. Um, but like that 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 scene with the uh, the. Um, the like top-down video game <laughs> like mm. style. Oh yeah, um, that was cool. Yeah, 
and he's just shooting people with um, incendiary rounds and setting them on fire. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 Hotline Miami um, in live action, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're just like panning in one shot through all of it to keep yeah. the action flowing. Yeah. I like when the dog pisses on the dead guy's face. Mm. That was funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, they killed a dog in the first one and swore never again. Yeah, really. It's <laughs> it's like they made it a rule. Yeah, like yeah, we yeah, killed the like beagle. The we can't get a new dog, and you know it's like well, occasionally in danger, but not really. And like the third yeah. one, they've got attack dogs, but. Dogs might be threatened, but never killed. Yeah. <sighs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> like no, no more, no more rambling tangents. Okay. Um. I'm I'm hungry. <laughs> mm. Hi, hungry. I'm Jane. I I've been listening to a lot of Dungeons and Daddies lately. I'm not saying another word. Okay. It's not a BDSM podcast. That's the worst way to end a podcast. <laughs>